0: Hey gang, before we get into the show, I wanted to share this really cool Kickstarter with you. Um, it's from the company Flight of Harmony. They have this module they're making called the Face Hugger, which is an eight-stage, all-analog, chainable, addressable, non-linear function generator. The facehugger can be an arpeggiator, CV sequencer, burst generator, envelope generator, LFO, and much more. They can also be connected in series for longer sequences and in parallel for making chords. Uh, Multiple expansion panels are also in development for even wider functionality. Here's the rub, the Kickstarter runs until April 22nd, and it is at 53% as of April 3rd. So I got the link in the show description Please head to the Kickstarter page and help this amazing looking module become a reality. Once again, that is The Face Hugger by Flight of Harmony. Link in the show description. Let's get into the show. This week's episode of Popular Modcast is brought to you by The Summit, Novation's flagship two part 16 voice polyphonic synthesizer. Summit's digital new Oxford Oscillators offer subtractive, FM, and wavetable synthesis, and feed into genuine analog dual filters, distortion, and VCAs. The multi engine enables merging and combining of two complete and independent patches, while up to 16 simultaneous voices deliver enough harmonic depth for even the richest paths. And you guessed it, this patch playing below my voice right now, was made on Innovation Summit. If you want to learn more, click the link in the share description. welcome back to Podular Modcast. My name is Tim Held. I don't know that person's name, but their car is loud. This week, we have Doug and Max from Hausu Mountain on the show. I became a fan of Hausu Mountain before I even got into Modular. It was right when I was getting into electronic music, so it's been quite a while, Um, and I'm just, yeah, really, really excited to share this with you. Uh, I was very excited to talk with them. They're great dudes funny, affable, and uh, we kind of have a similar talk as the one that I had uh, with Andrew from Beacon Sound. So if you're out there and you're wondering, like, how do you get on a label and how do you approach labels and stuff, we're going to cover some of that stuff today. But before we get into that, some quick housekeeping and some business. I haven't been keeping on top of the Patreon bonus episodes, uh, it's just, it's been hard to find the time and I've had some technical difficulties and whatnot, so, um, I'm gonna be just, re- like, releasing a, the, a batch of those, uh, soon, but I've also just been kind of including the Patreon bonus portion of the show, um, in the regular show, because, Yeah. And I haven't acknowledged that. So it seems like I'm forgetting to edit it out. I should acknowledge it. And uh, I should be professional by now because PodMod turned five this month. Actually, technically, it turned five on March 25th. And I'm recording this on March 31st. And I, uh, I should have marked that ceremonious occasion somehow. I guess i am right now so if you've been here since the beginning thank you if you're new welcome you've got a lot of episodes to catch up on i want to say thank you to everybody who uh has signed up for the patreon and also congratulations to all of the patreon subscribers who were able to get to my post quick enough to uh claim some of the Stuff that I was giving away. Um, it's funny to talk about that right now because I actually haven't done that, but by the time this episode is out, I will have done it. So I can't congratulate you personally right now, but you know who you are, so congrats. I also want to take a moment to shout out After Later Audio and thank them for their continued support of Podular Modcast. If you have any questions about, their original designs or the Mutable Instruments Classic line, head over to afterladyaudio.com, link in the show description. I also want to take a minute to say thank you to Bastel and Casper for sending me the Aikido. Um, It is an amazing module, VCA mixer with side chaining capabilities and envelope generation, Um, and they have the spectral envelope, which actually, um, you, know, you can use your, your bass, your mids, or your treble, uh, so it basically it creates an envelope uh, off of whatever frequency range that you select. Um, so that is really, really cool. And I did mention this last week, but I thought I would throw another shout out to uh, Waveform Magazine. They have a new uh, issue out, I almost said episode. Um, if you're not subscribed, again, link in the show description. A lot of cool features in there. Um, I'm just uh, so stoked that Ellison and, and the team are are still hard at work on this amazing print publication that brings us uh, interviews and reviews of gear and music uh, revolving around our community. So once again, go check that out. And I'm very excited to have you guys on doug and max from house who mountain um
1: hey what's up cheers
0: thank you for having us today absolutely um i gotta warn you i did mention before we started recording that i'm a little out of sorts today and i usually don't like to talk about this kind of thing but it also doesn't happen often but i'm a little hungover today and the reason is because i stopped drinking beer over a year ago like as far as my main drink i usually just do vodka and soda. So I'm drinking like 75% water when I'm drinking. Right. And yep, because yep. it's been so long, I had like three beers last night and it wrecked me. It just, oh beers, no three joke. Three beers, man. that's
2: it, huh?
0: Well, they were like, there. two of them were hazy IPAs and they were a little more stout than I was used to. So, uh, I'm a little slow on the uptake today, but uh, probably edit this part out. There's no real reason I should have shared that with anybody. But, um, <laughs> I I just, I want to, I, I, I also,
2: <laughs> I want to say I quit drinking beer like maybe a couple of years ago Yeah, and I just, I just can't handle it. It's just like, it's like liquid bread in your body. Yeah. It's just
0: so thick. And uh, yeah, you're just, you know, you can drink a bunch of glasses of water at the end of the night, but if you're not like drinking it like throughout, it's uh, it's just, I'm getting too old for this shit as Danny Glover would say. Um, For sure. That's
1: just like everybody with everything. I mean, it's like uh, you know, you you stop going to concerts and like going to the concert wrecks you. You stop uh, eating meats and then going eating the meat wrecks you. Like everyone is a
0: creature yeah, totally. of a
1: gene. And just a quick aside, like I um I see your waveforms forming at the bottom. Uh-huh. I don't see a waveform forming for me. I see oh, I see form. your
0: waveform. So sure. you say a
1: waveform? Okay, then then we're all yeah, good. I wanted, just wanted to confirm. That, yeah. like, my wave is formed. Yeah. Your wave
0: your, is formed. Your wave is forming. Um, so I want to start off by saying that, uh, you know, my my journey into electronic music came pretty late in my life. I was late 20s. Um, and, you know, it started with, like, your Daft Punk and your Justices. But it, I I liked that stuff, but I always wanted it to be weirder. And I was like, is there weirder stuff out there? And turns out, yes, lots of it um and actually your guys's label was one of the early li- like Bandcamp labels that I found when I was a budding electronic musician so this predates modular um and I actually went down and grabbed these I got the uh, Bang Bros uh the Radiator oh, Grays yeah. and Davey Harms uh so I got 41 42 and 43 um and I think that's old school. well beyond that you have a pretty immense catalog um how many releases do you guys have now? By the way,
1: I think um, we hit like one
0: hundred and thirty recently. Wow! So yeah, we're shit.
1: we're we're like working on ones that are in the 130s in terms of that's the catalog, crazy catalog numbers.
0: Yeah. So you, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I I found your I found your guys' stuff, uh, you know, before I met my wife and before Modular. So it was you know it was like another life ago. So I mean, this these had to have been close to ten years ago then. Um, so how long have you been doing the label?
1: This is the 11th year.
0: Okay. Wow.
1: Um, uh, so I guess we're, we're at like 10 and a half now um, or so. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's um, it started off pretty slowly. The first couple of years were just a few releases a year. And then in the more like 2014 zone, that's when we started to release a lot of stuff. And now we're maybe a little bit slower than we were a couple of years ago.
0: Um, before we get too much more into the history that I'm, that I'm kind of curious, like, is that pandemic and, you know, cassette reproduct, you know, uh, production related, or is it because you're more discerning and put more into, uh, individual releases or, or is it I mean, because I you've been saying, doing it for 10 years and it's just a lot of work?
2: <laughs> I would say that the last thing is probably the closest to, <laughs> to the truth, but, but if and anything awesome. the the pandemic was kind of like we did more stuff during that because yeah, we, I mean not like not not like the most ever, like not our like peak, but we definitely had a steady one or more releases a month during those couple of years. So
0: uh-huh.
2: yeah, Doug, and do you wanna elaborate?
1: I would say it's more like personal life related that like um, you know, I got married this year, we, Congrats. we don't live together anymore. Um it's just um it's just been a... We both moved in the last wait, couple you, of years. Wait, you
0: and Max don't live together anymore.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounded like
0: you said, yeah, like, I, got married. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I got married no, no. this year, but we're I no longer Max, living together. Max, Max and I are no longer uh,
1: cohabitating. Um, it, it's just um, it's just been kind of a whirlwind. Yeah, and, um, and we want to be able to put the maximum level of attention that we can put into the thing and you know, treat every release, um, like the big deal that we want to treat it as. Mm -hmm. So, um, we've, we slowed down a little bit in order to give everyone the amount of attention that we think they deserve.
0: Yeah. Right on. So, um, you guys are in Chicago. Are you from Chicago?
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, we're, We're both in Chicago on the North side and, um, we both grew up in the suburbs.
0: Okay. I went to uh Kalamazoo. I went to Western in Kalamazoo for grad school and popped over to Chicago a few times. Um but yeah, I like that that, you know, Chicago to, you know, uh Ann Arbor kind of section of the Midwest and up, you know, up the coast of the the lake, you know. It's it's pretty And new.
2: and Cle- I would say Cleveland to Ann Arbor to oh, I thought you were talking about like musically. You're talking uh, about like No, I'm just talking physically. about
0: physically. Yeah, beautiful. Beautiful, like, yeah, pretty, beautiful yeah. zoom.
2: But, but, but you saying Ann Arbor made me think of like, just like the, the like, uh, Midwestern block of like Cleveland, Ann Arbor, Detroit, like Chicago, at mm-hmm. least there's a lot of like freak music. you know. Definitely.
0: Yeah. I was out in Ann Arbor a few years ago, just before the pandemic for like this, um, instructors, um, school. Cause I teach at an electrical apprenticeship every once in a while. And, uh, yeah, I just like walked around and found all the record shops and was really delighted to see like just how many like DIY cassettes and stuff were available at all of them. And it seemed like uh, for for a pretty small college town has a pretty vibrant music scene and has for a really long time.
2: Yeah, like uh, the Wolf Eyes crew. Yeah, a lot of them kind of originate originate in Ann Arbor. And our good homie Jim Magus used to live there. He was like a, a current Chicago guy. It was like deep in the history of that kind of like, you know, noise diaspora of Michigan and, and Chicago and stuff.
0: Right on. Yeah. When I was out there, I was more like an indie kid. I was, I was in some bands in Kalamazoo and actually, and I, I found out about the band lightning bolt because this band that I was in was opening for them. And I had no uh, idea what, the hell was going to happen and when they started like that, just that was one of a one of the formative moments that kind of started breaking my brain out of more like, uh, you know, mainstream and digestible, mu- you know, easily digestible music. Um,
2: and you are not alone in that. I mean, lightning bolt have broken many
1: brains. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> set, set many people onto new courses. I'm sure. You know?
0: Definitely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I've heard a lot of necks from the people in the back trying to see them too. <laughs> and, and the head banging also hurts. hurts yeah. the necks, you know, Yeah. 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 There's like a lot of pros and, but a lot of like a lot of necks hurt by lightning bolt. And yeah. Wonderful music. And
0: eardrums. Yeah. One of the loudest bands I've ever seen is two people. It's, it's nuts. But, um, yeah, so how did you like? Well, I want to hear the origin story here of of the the label here. <laughs> how did how did that go? Who wh, wh, like? Why did you guys start a label? Um, yeah, what like how'd that go?
1: Doug, this is all you, baby. Max, I think it would be fun if we trade off every sentence on mm-hmm. this. I think right, that's go, I'm okay, interested. Okay. I like this. All right, you so, start.
2: How about uh, that? How about that sentence? But like small patch you know what yeah
1: I, mean? I, I like that I it, think could, that's a, it could a fun be way to
2: do it. it could be multiple <laughs> sentences you know yeah all
1: right so max and i we were both students at northwestern university um i was hosting a party at my house and max showed up and we became best friends in about two hours i had him cornered in my bedroom playing him my guitar and <laughs> we like started a band a couple weeks later um, and while we were at Northwestern, we were very heavily involved in the radio station, um, playing all kinds of music. Um, we had a show together where we did all video game music. Oh, nice! Um, which was very fun. And then we graduated and moved in together. And
2: and then uh, at that point, <laughs> we were in Chicago as opposed to Evanston, and we were thinking about starting a new band and, you know, thinking about new projects and because our previous like rock band that we were in basically would, I mean, like one of our band members lived in LA or moved to LA where he was, where he grew up. So we're starting a new band. We started this band called Good Will Smith with our, our dear friend, Natalie, who also went to Northwestern, but she, we didn't know her at the time and we met her just through the, what I would call the local like DIY noise kind of scene. But our first inklings of that, essentially like, you know, we were like meeting people in that world, you know, actively. And we started this band and we started Hudson mountain because we wanted to release that band's music and the music of another project of ours called the big ship, which was primarily helmed by Doug and our friend, Aaron, who was our roommate at the time. So both, the Big Ship and Goodwill Smith were the early, like, kind of, like, you know, reasons to release music, essentially, on our own. Okay. Yeah, I also got Duh. a
0: Goodwill Smith uh, cassette when I ordered these. You guys just, like, included it in the Yeah. yeah. Amazing.
1: Yeah. Bonus. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and at the time, I was working um, at Thrill Jockey Records. Okay. Oh, cool. My job was basically to be, like... Multiple people's like helper. So I was working um, in many departments and kind of just learning a lot of the different facets of like how to run a label. Um, I was working really closely with my friend Eric, who used to run an incredible label called Immune Recordings, not so much a cassette label, but um, an LP label. Um, He released a lot of pulse emitter stuff and really is like the reason why we have a very good relationship with Daryl and like, we're able to like set up shows with him when we were very unknown. Um, And he taught me a lot and, you know, Max and I just kind of decided to treat it like it was super serious from the beginning, like every single release, like making a big press list and like keeping on getting more and more writers and like not, um, you know, not treating like cassettes, like they were just like these, um, tiny little things, but trying to present it the same way that like independent labels were presenting their albums. Mm -hmm. Um, and really just like being persistent was what we did for many years, just like continuing to grow the list, continuing to grow, um, the people that were ordering from us and, um, just really trying to do it always just the two of us and um, have as few external parties involved as, as we possibly could. Yeah. And
2: awesome. I, I would, <laughs> yeah, it's a real hustle. Awesome. And in terms of like A&R, so to speak, like finding people to work with and, you know, g- gathering like artists that, you know, we feel represent our label almost like hundred percent, you know, maybe 90% of that comes from people that we, are close with just from playing shows with them across the U S and our tours with Google Smith. That was definitely like a, a big, you know, like way to expand our friend network and meet people that like are aligned with our, you know, our zone so to speak. And uh, of course, we also have fielded like demos from people online and met, met people that way but that's that's like a far like smaller branch of it so mm-hmm. we definitely keep it in the family and keep it pretty you know like close to to our like friend group and right, yeah. also can and also continue to work with artists like over and over if we can if they're still mm-hmm. down like we just keep it rolling you know
0: yeah yeah, yeah there are a
1: lot of artists that are on like album number like 3 through 6 on the label which um we it's it's a, a real pleasure to be able to just to work with the people repeatedly and have like our friendship and work relationships entwined such that when we're texting, it's like, Oh, like funny meme. Oh, mm-hmm. like <laughs> what are you doing on Thursday? I got a show like, Oh, like you got to finish your master dude. Like, yeah. yeah. Like
0: that. <laughs> like,
1: um, and like, that's, that's why we prefer to keep it um, just, you know, to keep it, keep it fun for us. Like mm-hmm. it's not as much fun to, you know, be working with someone that we're not comfortable with. Don't know. Totally. very well. Yeah. Feel a little bit like, um, you know, shy around, timid around, or like mm-hmm. not necessarily have the same um, expectations or, you know, I don't, I don't know.
0: Yeah. yeah. That, that brings up something that I, um, I don't know if you caught it, but I had uh, Andrew from, can sound on last week um, at the time of this recording. Uh, And Mm -hmm. we talked a lot about, I get, I get a lot of emails from people, you know, over the, the span of a year asking, you know, like, Hey, I'm trying to release this album and I've worked some people I've had people say, like I've been working on this album for 15 years and because they've been working on, you know, or, you know, anywhere from that to a year or whatever, but either way, when people have a finished album, they've put a lot of work into it and they want people to hear it. So I've had a lot of people reach out to me and ask like, Hey, how do you get on a label? And most of the time I tell them that right now, like. You know, you could make a little dream list of who you'd like and send stuff out, but I would just like kind of go forth with having it in your head that you're going to self release it and do it because the amount of time that you put into trying to find a label is going to be really big, especially if you have a day job and everything. And that's time that could take away from your creative, you know, process and, Sorry, I'm really rambling, but the, the cap on this. The reason I'm bringing this up now is because, like you guys said, you know, it's mostly like your little your little friend group, kind of a circle, like um a community almost. And I that's what I tell them. I, a lot of these smaller labels, like they they started them because they couldn't find a label, and then they started releasing their own stuff, and then started releasing their friends' stuff. So it's going to be really hard to get their attention. And it's nothing personal, and it's that's that's just kind of how it how it goes so like embed yourself in a scene or start your own thing you know but would you guys have any 100 percent.
2: well i would say that the idea of quote unquote getting on a label really means anything anymore at all you know Mm -hmm. and it's like like you were saying it makes so much more sense for you to have control over your own art and self-release it get it out there and then that's how you start having people notice you listen to you want to become your friend and say oh like maybe maybe i'll play a show with this person and meet them in, in real life like like the only way that you can get in to any scene or or even just like have a connection outside of your laptop screen you know what i mean is to do, like release your stuff start playing shows and like get out there because mm-hmm. that's like how how it how magic happens and how friends come together
0: and stuff exactly. like that. Exactly. Totally agree. Yeah. 100%. And-
1: just meeting people. Like wh- whether that's online or or in real life. In real life is what we did and that's maybe more speaking to like our place in our generation, but it's like go to lots of shows, talk to people, play as many shows as you can. Play shows in the towns that are drivable if or busable um, to your city, uh, meet people, try to help people play shows on Twitch, like join the discords, be active. Mm -hmm. The process is a process that is a many years long process. A lot of people want to like make a thing and be able to like, you know, um, grow their project exponentially really quickly. Mm -hmm. And the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, even when we're working with people for like the first time um, it's like we can help to grow their thing but we're only like growing it it's like one more like thing for them to have amongst many things mm-hmm. like your one album even if you spent so many years working on it and you're so proud of it um is just one thing in what should be like a um a life practice and mm-hmm. part of that life practice is also being a member of a community, whether that's in real life or online. Um, And, um, you know, for the most part, when you're dealing with this kind of super um, experimental music, the majority of the people that are going to be um, your fans, for lack of a better word, are your friends and other practitioners. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Mm
1: -hmm. And uh, in order to like, you know, you, you have to, You have to respect those people and engage with those people in order for them to respect and engage with you.
0: Yeah. I think to, to kind of like uh, just like build upon what you said, especially going back to the uh, you know, it's, it's a many years process. Um, You know, I, I understand the, the excitement of having a, a a finished record, especially if you're very, very happy with it, you really want the world to hear it. And there's just no real um, feasible, and actually like beneficial way to, to fast track that process. And, and, and again, like to go into like the, into a community. And like you said, try to help people and stuff like make sure that you're going into it with the intentions of i want to join a community. I not like, I want to network make connections so I can get my shit out there because that's like the, that's like the fringe benefit of becoming a, a part of a community. Um,
2: well, and those people are instantly recognized, and it's just like, oh, this guy's a turd. Like, right? This, yeah, this yeah. It's just,
0: yeah. Just be cool. Don't be a turd. To,
2: <laughs> yeah, you know. And I think that, like, what you said about no matter what the what the, the album sounds like, even if it's some kind of you know polished masterpiece that you know elevates the genre it is trying for and is totally original, unique thing which I just said all that, that like does not happen. First of all, (laughs) Second all, (laughs) second of all, even if that's true, if you have no one that's there to rep you and say, Oh yeah. Like I love this artist. I am familiar with them. And like, we're, we're homies. Check it out. You know, if you, if you don't have like, like that organic network of people that want to talk about your music and contextualize it for other people and say, i play a show with this person. Oh, I, I know that they have released an album on this label, blah, blah. blah. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that's the kind of thing that is almost essential or is essential in my opinion to have such, to have even the craziest masterpiece like acknowledged Mm -hmm. as such, you know what I mean? Totally. Absolutely. It's like, like, like like the, the proof is not in the pudding. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like the pudding can be like dank as hell. But if no one care, if no one cares about the pudding, and has never like doesn't know how to contextualize it, it's it's rarely gonna like you know make them sudden make that person suddenly be like, okay, this person's right. a genius, yeah, and forever they're gonna be successful. They're gonna get right. on Warp Records like tomorrow, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like like that, right, like that, right. like that never happens, you know.
0: Yeah, I think. Um, oh God, I lost it. I had something that I thought I think was good but it just like, um, (laughs) God, what was it? Uh, well, hopefully it'll come back soon, but, um, God damn it. I'm, I'm, my ADD brain's not going to let me. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Parting
1: advice word. Like, it's just like, again, take it slow. Think of it all as like, you know, building your community and like trying to be active in, your local community. And if you don't live in a place where that's possible, your internet community, join discords, be active on these places and try to, try to meet people and try to understand all these different kinds of music that people are expressing mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like treat each thing as like something to slowly build upon. And um, yeah, don't get discouraged when, you know, there that's aren't it. a lot of people checking it out. That's just kind of the, how it goes sometimes. Mm-hmm. And like persistence is a very good quality to have definitely and do it because you love it. Not because you want attention.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, I just turned 39 and starting at 18, I, you know, well really starting at 12, I began my quest to become a rock star, you know, like that was the goal yeah. for the whole time. And I've done many different things and had, you know, different levels of whatever you could call success. Um, but yeah, it took me until, you know, 35 to start this podcast. This is by far the most successful thing that I've done. Um, but it's still, you know, like that, that thing of success and like what, like what you want out of something. I feel like you, you should get, get your mind right with that before you get too far in there because, um, yeah, you, you don't want it to be, you don't want to be a turd Because, you know, I think oftentimes you can turn into a turd when you really are like on the self-promotion tip and stuff. Um, But yeah. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. I was kind of like just like almost like a rephrasing of what you guys have been uh, saying for the past few minutes. It's like it's amazing with even how. You know, Bandcamp exists, and there's, you know, you can record an album in your room and then upload it from your room and have it on iTunes. You know, like it, we have this because of the internet, just like crazy access for way more people. But word of mouth is still like the most important thing for, you know, people to pay attention to what you're doing you know, somebody has to vouch for it and it's, yeah. And that's really hard. And you're not, you're not going to get somebody big to vouch for it on your first release if you don't have a good, uh, CV built up to this point. So like you were saying, uh, Doug, you know, it's like these small steps.
1: Mm -hmm. And yeah, honestly, I feel, I feel badly for, um, people that might be starting now because 10 years ago there was so much of this, um, this very rich blog ecosystem Mm -hmm. where we could get people's attention. That was like, I don't know. I remember one that was like, you send people cassettes and they like pair a beer with your cassette. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, there was just lots of these blogs that people were actively checking out and like was a good Avenue for this kind of like very, um, just like peer to peer, uh, networking dash like promotion that like could help you sell your hundred tapes. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that's gone now. Um, and it's more like, you know, who do you follow on Twitter? Like, can I get the attention of this YouTuber? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit more, it's a little bit weirder. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know.
0: I definitely agree with that. Um, I, then I, that kind of makes like that, that leads me to something I wanted to ask you guys about um, because like I have such deep respect for, you know, people like you who do what you do, you're, you're keep like, thanks to Bandcamp and people like you guys, there's still, even though it is hard to get in there and cut through the noise, there's still like a place for us because Spotify isn't really the place for us, you know? And, I'm wondering, like, with the kind of that there was a like a weird heyday when the inter- the internet like peaked as far as like musical promotion and and like actually being able to to get cool stuff happening with your music, and then it got super saturated instantly, and then it lost its efficacy. So like, currently, what how what what's like what's the approach? How like what is what do you guys do to promote a, a release and how like how do you try to get your label uh you know people who don't know about it yet aware of it and and whatnot.
2: I think that there are like numerous avenues that might not be as obvious to someone that is, you know, thinking about releasing a record and the milestones or the touchstones that make it a success outside of sales are things like reviews and notable websites or, Mm -hmm. you know, like, being mentioned on a youtube review like Doug was saying those things might seem like milestones to a lot of people that are looking in on the system like through the window but also for people that that receive those things that receive a review or so like whatever that might be enough for them and they might say okay cool that was a success like i got some clout or whatever But that's just like the very tip of the iceberg. And there's so much more that actually equates to real, like organic and holistic, like what I would describe as success. And a lot of that comes through social media, like through Twitter and Instagram and stuff where people can comment and and actively talk about and be involved in the life of a piece of art outside of maybe like institutional perception, so to speak. And also Discord is a big one that that's definitely been like, you know, I mean, in some ways, Discord is different because the people in the server know that they're there for the thing. Mm-hmm. They're already fans, so to speak. That creates an even like kind of like more beneficial and nice community where people are all already friends, so to speak. They're already oriented around one subject or one label or one artist. And like, it's easy to just create connections there but also just, you know, posting about stuff and having it not be into a void, have people discuss it, Definitely, you know, yeah. meet, talk to you about it. Doug, do you want to like add to this? Like, I, yeah.
1: yeah, I would say like those things are all super important, but I think that the most important thing is the direct communication that like getting in touch with our customer base through um, the Bandcamp messaging platform, just like oh, yeah. the fact that I can just like, when a new album comes out, send an email to every single person that has ever downloaded any of our things. Mm-hmm. Like after yeah. that email comes out, is when we see the biggest spike of clicks mm-hmm. and purchases, a hundred percent. And the uh, the Mailchimp newsletter, um, to a, a smaller degree, but is the same sort of thing. Like those are. <laughs> I just huge, signed up for Mailchimp sort of yesterday.
0: In- I I'm so yeah, mad I mean, at everything, yeah. like business wise, like. I'm just very, the, all like the success of this show is all um, the foundation of that. It, it's all built on the fact that there just wasn't a weekly modular podcast and then modular was getting very popular. Like I just right time, right place. Um, and I don't, and, and I don't, I've, I've been very perplexed out as to how I can grow it any more than I have, because I've just been like. On Instagram and then having cool people come on and share that on Instagram and you know it, it's it's just like it's such a Pandora's box <laughs> like how do you how, how the hell does any of this work um, please pardon the interruption but I just wanted to take a minute to let everyone out there listening know that uh, I am currently building uh, like a workshop slash uh, course for uh, modular music recording uh, in the studio and in the field uh different mixing uh approaches with modular. Um so if that's something that sounds interesting to you you can DM me or you can send me a message at podmodcast at gmail.com. So we can do the lessons via Skype or Zoom if you are not in the area. But if you are in you know the Tacoma, Seattle or Olympia area we might be able to find some time to uh do in-person lessons. So uh yeah once again if you're interested in that uh, send me a DM on Instagram or uh, an email at podmodcast at gmail.com. This week's episode is brought to you, as always, by Patchworks Seattle. Um, great, great synth shop. And they are actually... And they have some exciting news. They have uh, the new Korg ARP 2600 Semi-Modular Synthesizer uh, that has been modernized in the newest 2600M model uh, with features like MIDI, a smaller form factor, and a re-engineered lush spring reverb and it comes with a custom road case as well. So that's a pretty big deal. And that is available at Patchworks. And something else about Patchworks that I have utilized many times is it is a great place to bring in your vintage synthesizers and music gear on consignment, uh, or you can do some uh, trade for you know store credit. You can shop the great selection of used gear where hidden gems and great deals can be found. I have found so much cool stuff in that used section. Um, Patchworks is located located in the heart of the Wallingford neighborhood in Seattle. You can stop by the showroom to play vintage synthesizers and shop new and used gear. It's not only the best synth shop, you know, for Eurorack and everything else in Seattle, but it also has a ton of live events from in-store showroom sessions with local artists to in-depth workshops and classes. You can visit the Seattle showroom to meet all these people and see, you know, can I get into a class? When's the next event? Or you can head over to patchworks.com. That's P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S.com. And here's another cool piece of information. If you are shopping online at Patchworks, Free shipping for orders over 75 dollars. and then one last thing they are updating their showroom hours so patchworks will be now open thursday friday and saturday from noon to 7 p.m and sunday from noon to 6 p.m so it will be closed monday through wednesday once again that's patchworks.com p-a-t-c-h-w-e-r-k-s
2: well i would say that like one thing i would want to like say as a disclaimer or like an asterisk here is that when we talk about things like promotion and reach and like quote unquote success or popularity all all of that really only like matters as a marker of the fact that people are having fun and enjoying what you do you know know what i mean yeah that's important to learn early
0: too i think like that's like like
2: like like we don't give a shit about numbers or popularity or any of that. Like, we're just happy that people are, are listening to what we do and are pleased by it and entertained and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe have their minds expanded or, or, you know, change their perspective on art or music or whatever like that. Right. That's like, well, that's the only thing that, that matters at all, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and you can say that maybe the numbers indicate that, more people are beha- are experiencing that, but also maybe not, you know, maybe people, you know, like it's hard to tell whether someone that finds our music on a Spotify playlist is like really like stoked and, you know, seeing it as some kind of mind expanding cool thing, or it's just like some other domino in the, yeah. in the chain, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and on t- like, so when
2: Doug,
1: Doug, Yeah. I I just, I think what Max was getting at is that like our core interest here is not like getting pitchfork reviews or like getting things on Fantano or like any of that stuff. Like our core interest is releasing music that we love from people that we love that moves both of our like heads and hearts and butts. Mm -hmm. Like we want music (laughs) that like moves, moves our bodies and our minds. Mm -hmm. And, um, and we've learned over the last decade, like how to deal with the sort of like music industry machine in a way that, like, is um, the least grody to us mm-hmm. in yeah, totally. an effort to try and give these artists that we love the maximum platform that we can with the time and resources that we have. Mm-hmm. Like, Definitely. We, yeah. we, 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 we love it when like the things get a big review or like an interview feature or whatever, because we know that more people will get tuned into it. But like all of this is just like stuff that we engage with because of like our love of the music. Like it's not like the love of the publicity or the love of like reading other people's opinions about it. Like all that stuff is lovely and nice. And like, we are happy to engage in that world um, but the the music part is the is the soul. yeah
0: and I, th- I think some like and the the world that we kind of operate in, right? like not just the modular world, but like the, the greater experimental kind of you know, um, you know weirder electronic music as far as like what you know the mainstream would, you know labels go. Um, there really isn't opportunity for rock stardom or anything. So like you guys wouldn't be doing this for almost 11 years if those were the reasons you were doing it because you're just you would switch lanes or something if that's what you were looking for. And I think that translates to, you know, the the community and audiences and and makes it more special. And what I've noticed is, you know, there's more and more stuff coming out more and more people making music there's more there's probably more bands right now than there ever were you know at any point in history um yeah but i think so you would think with this like access to the entire world you know i'm sitting in tacoma washington you guys are in two different parts of chicago you know like we we can access this world You'd think that would make for way bigger audiences. But I think what it does is it actually makes for like really small but devoted audiences. Like they're in it because it's like, there's this is my thing. Like I'm sure there are a bunch of, you know, uh, Haosu Mountain heads out there, you know? Like after for listening sure. to these cassettes, you- like these three cassettes had a direct impact on how I viewed you know the the landscape of of the like kind of the the area of music i wanted to get into and they influenced my music you know that makes us so happy yeah yeah and and that's like i think that's so much more you know special like i would so i would release an album um i remember my my first full-length electronic album i was very proud of it still am and it got an excellent review in seattle's the stranger by dave siegel who's like the guy who we know uh, him yeah enough. he's yeah. a yeah. great dude and he's,
1: he's he's been at it longer than any of us totally he's been like yeah i actually i really want to see if he
0: would come on the, the show because like i owe a lot to him just by him kind of lending me his clout but when i saw it like and th- I'm, I'm only saying this to make a point i'm not trying to humble brag maybe like 10 but He had said that that album was, you know, one of the best electronic albums to come out of Seattle in the last five years, you know, which a lot of electronic music comes out of Seattle. So, um, that, and that was my first like full release. And I thought that that marked the beginning of, Oh, I I'm, I'm on my way, you know? And while I still love that review and it's still like, I still like to read it every like year or two. Um, I didn't see a whole, like a big uptick in numbers or, you know, it it didn't really have much of an effect on the actual metrics. And, you know, so as I was looking at these metrics over years of releasing albums and really putting the grind in, I would be very, very disheartened by a small amount of listens. But I've got to this point now where it's like, if 50 people listen to my album, I'm pretty sure that the, the, the audience that, you know, we work with and everything like those 50 people are going to have a way more like intimate and, um, you know, attentive experience with that than if it was, you know, 5,000 plays on Spotify because of a playlist or whatever, you know, like, like you guys said, like, who knows how much they vibed with it. So like the numbers really like there's, it's so nebulous, like you can't even really think about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I would say that when you were saying that Bandcamp and the the democratiz- the democratizing like aspects of, of internet music culture have yielded more bands than ever, you know, creating like releasing more music than ever. I think that no matter what, everyone only has like one like life to live, you know, and like totally. one like couple hours maybe to listen to music a day. So it's like, you know, there's, there might be an infinite ocean of stuff, but unless you're like sitting in front of your computer, listening to, you know, what rate your music is saying is the best stuff, fifty albums, you know, or something like in like a week or whatever. There there are heads like that that like you know listen to music straight all day every day,
1: indexically.
2: Yeah, 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 indexically like cataloging everything they ever hear. Building their personal catalogs in their brains, then there are others that are like, I only have an hour in the car to listen to something, you know.
0: Totally, yeah.
2: That I, that's way more common. So it's like
0: uh-huh.
2: th- they can only access so much stuff, and it might be, you know, it probably not going to be some noise record, you know. I mean, <laughs> it, it, might, it 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 is in many cases, but. I'm talking about in the pie chart of all listeners it's probably not going to be that. Right. Yeah. So it's like you have to be, you have to be thankful. Yeah,
0: totally. And I think some like, I think also thank you guys, by the way, for having this like candid conversation about this, because, you know, I think a lot of people are very perplexed about how this all works and everything. Um, But yeah, it's like you learn this lesson that, you know, that, that Max was just saying, like, uh, it, you know, adjusting expectations as far as like what you think should or what you think what you think you want versus like what is possible. And fuck, I had another thing and I lost it again. You guys, Jesus, three beers, I mean, really? All- three <laughs> beers? I mean, it doesn't matter.
2: <laughs> just just pause for a second. You need to acknowledge that it's gone. Yeah, but that means I mean? like yeah, like yeah can- that
0: means I gotta edit it, and it just it already takes so long. Like I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty. Okay. I'm pretty punk yeah, rock I when you. I when I approached my uh yo, you're a punk rock <laughs> podcaster. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> punk
2: rock modular synth podcast, uh-huh, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay,
0: okay. Well, punk rock is my nice way of saying a little lazy, but um no, I got you. I understand. Yeah. It's like it's like punk time. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no there was something else that i i I felt like i was really building to there that 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 involved you guys and you're uh, talking about tempering
2: expectations about
1: you know your oh right there's something i want to
0: say if we're we're in here too that like
1: you know there's like probably a quarter million people that are like as talented as tim hecker but there's like only one tim hecker Mm -hmm. like playing every festival And there's, like, no rhyme or reason why he's the Tim Hecker and you're not the Tim Hecker. You just have to, like, you just have to embrace, like, the, like, chaos of it all, too. Mm -hmm. Like, you could be making amazing stuff, and there's also like a luck component too that, like, there's one Tim Hecker, even though there's a quarter million. Well, heckers, right. Like, yeah. I, I, the teams. Like, <laughs> I don't
2: want to seem like Tim Hecker is catching strays here. I think Doug is more complimenting him because he's, he,
1: I, I like Tim Hecker. Tim is oh, yeah. perfectly good. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, he's one. Yeah. He, it's like, here's someone that's an ambient musician that's making very good music that I think that a lot of people that we sent, we get demos from, are making similar. Stuff and sometimes of similar quality, often of worse quality. But there's at least a quarter million people in the world that yeah. are doing it. And I think but like that's, those quarter million people are not getting that level of booking, totally press yes. attention, etc., etc., etc. And that's that's like, that's a, that's a great
0: perspective, I think, for anyone out there listening who's kind of like, you know, taking taking all this in that what we're talking about because it's on their mind. Like that is a really important perspective to have. That like don't like take it personally and don't get like down or, or mean to yourself. Like maybe I'm not good enough or whatever, but I do remember what I was going to say, like with like the, the, the time, you know, there's only so many hours in the day. I do a weekly podcast an hour long and, you know, I make all these videos and I make all this music and I mostly like, not mostly, but a huge part of why I wanted to start the podcast was to also just like try to promote my stuff and and then i i would get really bummed cuz i'm like oh man my only my podcast gets good numbers but my releases and videos don't and then i'm like it just struck me i'm like how much Tim, do you expect fucking people like if they're taking me in for an hour and i'm doing these big long rambly things like i am right now and not editing it out and stuff, <laughs> are they really going to take the t-? you know it's like and it's it's not personal it's just like you have an attention span as a human and entertainment is a small portion of what you can devote, you know, that to. And uh, yeah. I'm just waxing uh,
2: no no pho- I I, I would agree with you. Here. <laughs> Wait, and just to just to tie a ribbon on this, thinking about Doug's comments regarding Tim Hecker, I like <laughs> I, I want to say that Tim Hecker and any artist in his tier of visibility and success Also have done what we were just describing before, which is busted their
0: ass a
2: ton of work and released dozens of albums and and no tons of people because they played shows with them and no labels because they've released their music and there's a word of mouth network about, you know, among people so so maybe the first the first pebble in the pond is like luck, so to speak. Maybe mm-hmm. for you, that was like your, your Dave Seagal, Dave Seagal, like review, like that's the first mm-hmm. pebble, but you, you have to build on that and not think that that's going to be the only thing.
0: Like totally the, yes. the, the
2: Tim Heck, the Tim Hecker's of the world have worked with dozens of different communities and, and, you know, that's why they're on like the, the big, you know, cafe Oto festival or something you know i mean mm-hmm. like bigger than that tim Hicker probably plays fucking like i don't know does he play coachella
1: no nah, not like that but i am sure like <laughs> yeah. similar ones yeah i'm sure he's like there's like a chill out tent at primavera sound or yeah exactly, like, exactly i don't know yeah. no, you're <laughs> right. yeah. I, i'm just using him as like a totem of like no you're right makes, no, like, i know it makes like very experimental music but yeah. it's still like you know very known amongst people. It's like if you talk to someone who or like, OPN not, or
2: whatever. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, I
0: was thinking that as well. Yeah,
1: like yeah, yeah. Like again, like bust, busted his buns, working really hard. Um, but like not everyone else who busted their buns working really hard got in that position. Yep, so yeah. Um, I think just also try hard, be nice, and uh, just
0: uh, and don't expect try anything. to build a
1: lily pond. <laughs> right, <laughs> try yeah, to build yeah. A whole lily pond. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Totally. I think also we like. i'm assuming you guys are close to my age um like well i guess i'm getting to the age where that might be kind of insulting can i i'm I'm 33 doug is 35 34, 34 going on 35 okay okay so we're close but i still think you guys fall under this umbrella to where like with with for me growing up you know there was behind the music and there was you know mtv interviews and everything and there was, you know, there's, there's a mystique to rock stardom and like people didn't get, you know, we didn't have interviews like long form like this, uh, where people were really candid. So everything kind of just like seemed truncated and instant and like, yeah, we made this record and then we became the hugest fucking thing in the world. And it's like, so I think, you know, a generation of people, me, I'll, I'll speak for myself because I was a bit dense as a kid. Um. I thought that all I had to do is get really good at at music and then people would find me and that has never been how it fucking goes. So like this work ethic thing, you got to fucking grind constantly.
2: I mean, I'm thinking about like, you know, if we saw a reel behind the music of bands, you know, as far back as rock music existed, like, you know fucking jimmy hendrix or led zeppelin like they 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 didn't catapult to instant fame. Like they probably i mean they, we know that they put in tons of work and mm-hmm. i think of like you know to use a more modern example like i don't know like like in the early 90s when like new metal was kicking off and like bands like corn and like you know like all their ilk they they were suddenly thrust into a national spotlight instantly and some of them came out of nowhere but mm-hmm. like they were also putting in crazy work and they're like right yeah and they'd been in that
0: band had existed for you know close to 10 years before this happened in some cases you know like right exactly but yeah yeah
1: that was a really unique time in music it was the best time in the 90s early (laughs) 2000s when like you know there's a lot of cd power yeah you could buy the cds everywhere people were still buying them um And that was a time where it's, like, what you're talking about. Like, a band could just be, like... Instantly
2: be catapulted. yeah. Oh, we need
1: 15 grunge bands for our label. Like, let's find them. Totally, yeah. And, like, now people, like, I mean, of course, like, what we, what Max and I do is not in this area at all. We are, like, a tiny little, like, runoff stream from this. Like, we're not competing with major labels in any way. But if you're talking about the major label stratosphere like we are now, like, People are now competing with the entire history of popular recorded music. That, like, totally. these major labels are going to be promoting the classic rock as much as they're promoting the new music, if not even more, mm-hmm. because yeah. it's just like this giant IP that's just generating income.
0: Right. Yeah, Why do I need to yeah. find
1: the new band this year when we're still going to sell X copies of Dark Side of the Moon? Right. And now. also, totally. there's yeah, going to yeah.
2: be movies made. I mean movies made about Queen about Elton John uh-huh, right? actively. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's cross pollination where, like Doug was saying, like uh, you know, Atlantic Records probably fucks with Queen like 30 times more than they would, like whoever they would sign, yeah. you know,
0: like yeah. to God, be that, their new yeah. Yeah. That Elvis movie so was a real piece of What we're getting at shit. is if there are um,
1: any podcast yeah. listeners that can fund making a movie. Max and I are both very good actors and are happy it's to true. play ourselves. I want to make yeah, yeah, I want to make movie. a short
0: film. Maybe I should come out to Chicago and we should make some weird shit. Um, uh, I mean,
1: like, why like why stop there? Like we can have this be a double VHS Titanic. Fuck sort yeah, of thing. Dude. yeah, hell yeah. yeah. Um,
0: well, yeah, this is yeah. flying by and we haven't really talked a whole lot about you know how Sue <laughs> specifically. But I think I mean I hope you guys are okay with that. But I do want to like kind of shift. Oh no towards no, that.
2: this has been fun. Yeah
0: cool um but i do want to shift towards that because i want to say one of the things that i really really fucking love about uh your label i think you guys are really fucking good at this is you have you have created and um you've created and cultivated and like tended to a very, very specific little universe. That is your universe from the artwork to the type of music that you release to the, the videos. And like, you know, there's, there's a level of of humor that's almost kind of like post Tim and Eric kind of um, and, and word yeah, yeah I just, uh, I was trying to formulate Thanks, a question with that, but yeah, I just, I feel like that I love that aspect. And um, I was just wondering if you guys could speak to that. Because I know it's intentional. It's just, it's way too, like, obvious and well-constructed to not be intentional.
1: Doug, do you want to start with this? I don't really think it's, like, intentional, intentional. It's not like Max and I have, like, a meeting where we're, like, okay, like, what what character do we add to the Housemo universe? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, it needs more rainbow squiggles this time. (laughs) Like, I don't know. It's not like that. It's just more about, like, our are like core interests and values yeah kind of colliding that like i mean um you talk about tim and eric we love tim and eric and like i don't know i see tim and eric as being part of the same sort of lineage as these like
0: it's
1: it's a little blurry i can't quite see what we're looking at
0: terrible terrible tattoo of tim and eric it's the cover it's it's the cover of uh season three dvd so it's like already a really shitty piece of art. And then I had my friend who was just starting tattooing do it. And it's, it looks, it's so bad. It is like my worst tattoo, but it's like so bad that it makes me laugh and it's Tim and Eric, so it kind of works. But yeah, um, me, yeah.
2: me and Doug, I've met Tim Heidecker and recorded some music with him oh, was cool. actually over actually over 10 years ago. And that came about totally randomly. And like, we, we ended up on one of his solo records just in me, me and Doug. And actually the band that we had mentioned at the very beginning of this, our, our college rock band was involved in recording with him. It's not like we would call him like our homie. Like he probably wouldn't even recognize us in the streets, but like, but like we, we reached out to him and he worked with us just because we were such huge fans, you know, so it's there yeah that that kind of thing happens i guess you know yeah like, i've been on you, office you hours your with idols.
0: yeah yeah hell on... yeah there you go and i've had doug pound on the show so um Sick. so yeah oh amazing
2: we love yeah. Doug pound. yeah he goes hard as hell
0: yeah i think it's like I... we're talking about having him on again um for the to promote the new season of Poundhouse, and i'm hoping i can get brent to join as well but we'll see hell yeah um, well kind of good i wanted yeah, so to there's one more thing about? oh Yeah, but we're uh, talking about uh, I'll bring us right back around. I
1: I was kind of getting at is it like, you know, Tim and Eric to us and like the movie like The Holy Mountain like exist on this psychedelic continuum in which like Super Nintendo games and The Grateful Dead and noise music and (laughs) (laughs) techno and like all these things can like be a giant beautiful rainbow and are all relational. And it's like if you if you it's like the house aesthetic is more of just like a tapestry of our musical interests. And yeah. I think that Max can speak more about the artwork because he's the, the main producer of the artwork, but then, you know, outside designers work with us and like our artists are pretty sure to make sure that they are kind of part of the, the, the plan. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I,
0: I want, I do want to hear about the artwork cause that was going to be a specific question, but I just wanted to add one cherry to the top of what I was saying. Um, Because like what you were saying, Doug, like it's not like we have a meeting and it's like we, we, we kind of like decide, okay, these, we have to do it this way. But I think something that, that I think is obvious to your, to your audience or to your, your fan base, but it was obvious to me is that it's exactly that. Like you, it's, you guys are being yourself and you're doing what you want to do. You're doing what interests you. You're making what you want to make and you just hope that someone else out there resonates with it. And I think that's like all you can really do as an artist. And, and that translates to me like through your aesthetic and everything.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, I think just just to slightly modify what you say, I don't even hope that other people relate to it. I don't care. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like I do care in that. I want people to be entertained. Like I said before, But I, I, I do not think I don't. I don't say please let someone like connect. Totally, no, no. You're you're putting it out there like I love
0: this, and if somebody else, it's like this is just me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm.
2: like this is just this is just what I wanted to do. It's just me, and it's like it's not like I'm like I am very pleased when people resonate with it. But it's not the goal isn't to make them resonate with it for me. It's more like to put a chunk of myself out there that is that is unfiltered and represents my desires and my interests you know what mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. like and if no one if if there is like a misstep if there's something i release that like do, doesn't resonate with people i like fuck them <laughs> you know what i mean like like i don't mean to say that in a computational way i'm just saying like i don't care you know yeah it's not, not
0: for that the next thing them. is
2: going to happen doesn't matter the next thing is next thing is going to happen in like you know a couple days so mm-hmm. there's going to be plenty of stuff that people can maybe relate to. Um, and okay. And then really quick regarding the artwork. Um, I'm like not really trained as like, like a conventional artist and I can't like draw or paint or any of that. So like all of my artwork is collage oriented and, and pretty like deep, like detailed Photoshop collage that I kind of think of as like, like mosaics typically in mm-hmm. the style that you might think of as the house mountain art with, which is like pixel art primarily that is collaged. Um, my goal is to make like something that you know might have appeared on like a Super Nintendo game art, like a, a game box <laughs> yeah, yeah. or something, you know, yeah. or or something that could have appeared on like a sci-fi novel cover. Totally. You know, maybe like a different aesthetic, obviously, but something that that contains it that much detail to the point that it might. You know, like uh, open up a little visual world that is separate or complementary to the music, but that like stands alone and like is Mm -hmm. something like something you you could look at while you're on acid and watch it like ripple and. I was just gonna say, dude, they're the sixteen. Yeah.
0: They're the sixteen-bit stained glass windows in the LSD church. You know, like. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much. I I don't think. I don't think you could have that's summarized the it better. From
2: Dion. Oh, yeah, the, the Dion tape actually has stained glass and like is it like actually a has nice, stained glass nice. and yeah, in yeah, a cathedral. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, thank you. I mean, like that—that's definitely the goal. And the reason why I am so drawn to 16-bit artwork is, I mean, in some ways, it's because that was an early visual language that like blew my mind. You know, when I was growing mm-hmm. up, I wouldn't describe it as nostalgia because I don't think about it and go, "I wish I were." Six again. I, I think mm-hmm. about. I look at it and go, "Oh my god, it's
1: like still so sick looking." Like, with
0: you, yeah. Like, that's cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in in the same way that like a lot of people are attracted to modular synthesis, in that like you're using a more um, old school method to engage with technology, which can yield more interesting results. Mm-hmm. Like technological limitations, sixteen bit video games because they were working with these limitations are often more beautiful than modern video games because more attention had to be put into the world creation versus just like plopping in a preset or plopping in a model. It's Mm -hmm. all, it's so much more homespun. Um, And I also want to put a little asterisk, which I think helps makes our conversation go full circle. And that in the beginning of the conversation, you were talking about like how your electronic music sort of blossoming um, was a little late to the game. But I want to posit that, like, almost everyone in our generation's, like, exposure to electronic music and formative electronic music um, upbringing is through playing video games. Definitely.
0: and Max and I have said
1: said this, like, repeatedly, that, like, those are a lot of our earliest sort of um, touchstones and, like... Earliest exposures to so many genres of music that we couldn't have even,
0: yeah, vocalized. I used to that young. Ear- I used earliest, to like,
1: yeah, ambient, earliest techno, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah.
0: I would, I would make separate save files on Final Fantasy VII, like <clears throat> just to have like a little point where I could go back and listen to whatever yeah, the song yeah. was that I liked, and then I would just get to the point where like I couldn't get in a fight or anything, and nothing would happen in the game, and I would just let it play, and I'd just listen, yeah, to the the soundtrack and i still love I, that soundtrack
2: i mean ff7 has one of the best soundtracks ever and i'm like it's you it's know, amazing think, th- once you leave midgar on disc one you can't hear the midgar jams anymore you exactly. can't hear yep. you can't hear under the rotting pizza which is like one of the sickest tracks like in, ah, ah, you know ah, that ah, track like,
1: but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
0: yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> track.
1: Yeah, like, like dude, if, it's if you,
0: I want to do like a Mid-Gard, fucking doom stoner metal version of that.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, in, in my mind, that that song is very allied to like the underground Mario. Like totally, you know, it's like it's like using using the thick bass line is like a marker of like the sewer, the CD, like underground mm-hmm. area, you know, mm-hmm. main, and just
0: like, crushing yeah. shit to make it sound fucking yeah. fuzzy. And yeah. And um, the, the, the version
2: of that that's in the remake is also sick as fuck. And you haven't heard that. The, yeah. I've, the,
0: I've, the, yeah. I've played and beat it. I can't, I really want the the second one out, but I know, I man. I know thrill.
2: Same. Yeah, um, it's true.
0: Well, we aren't at an hour and, um, I don't want to take up too much more of your guys's time. And I could talk about all of this shit all day. Um, but before we get off of the air here, uh, is there anything that you guys wanted to scream from the modular mountaintops?
2: Thank you, Tim. <laughs> yes, so thank you, Tim. Um,
1: if, if you liked our conversation and are looking for some Haosu Mountain artists that are more modularly focused, um, check out Norman W. Long. Uh, check out Long Distance Poison. Um, Brett Naki, who also has a oh, new yeah. album out. Brett's been on the um, show. Elsewhere. Yeah, Brett Brett is a d- uh, old friend, deep and Chicago GED? friend. Is Ged um, on um, some GED, of these yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: check out M Geddes, Gengras, um, and check out Quick Sales. Those okay. are our most um, predominantly modular artists. We work with tons of other people, um, mostly in the electronic realm, but sometimes it's just like a prog rock album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes it's some jazz. Um, really just like... Uh, just trying to keep things like Max has said, just like in between uh, fun and challenging head, heart and body. Love it. Um, yeah. And yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, it's always cheers. fun. Much
0: love. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you guys have like 10 more minutes for a Patreon uh, bonus episode where yeah, I ask sure, fun sure. questions? Yeah. Alright, that's our episode. Thank you so much to Max and Doug for coming on the show. Also, thank you for uh, coming back to Podular Modcast or if this is your first time, welcome. Uh, One more shout out to Patreon subscribers. Really appreciate you. That is uh, you know, the primary thing keeping the show alive. I could not do the uh, podcast in the current capacity without the Patreon, so thank you. And if you would like to help keep the LEDs blinking over here at PodMod, head over to Patreon Thank you to Patchworks, After Later Audio, and Novation for their support of PodMod. Uh, I think that's about all I got for you. Oh yeah, if you're interested in taking some uh, remote lessons with me, hit me up in the DMs or email me at podmodcast at gmail.com. This week's secret word is Garlandia gar like a garland but garlandia until next week